This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the original Newport County podcast that's made by the fans for the fans. I'm Ian and I'll be your host tonight. It's now been six games since Gcock, if that's what we're calling him, was appointed as a county manager. We've had four games in the league, two in the cup, one, two, drawn two, lost two. So complete equilibrium. But we thought it'd be good to get a crack um, crack squad of our own together to have a review, have a bit of a deeper dive into what's going on, look at the new regime and explore the good, the bad and the ugly with a panel to match. And I'll let you decide who's who in that. So without further ado, who have we got tonight? The good doctor's in. Ed, how's it going? Hello. All right. Yeah, not bad. And Reese is joining us with a very smart looking new haircut. Reese, how's things? Yeah, good. Thanks. And we've got um, stepping off of the subs bench today, making a debut on the proper panel after a cracking performance down at um, Exeter in the Pizza Trophy. Esme's joining us for the panel. Esme, good to have you with us. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thanks. Brilliant. So without further ado, a little bit of news roundup since we last recorded. What have we had? We've had a 2-0 win at home to, Col- a home to Colchester in the FA Cup. We then went off to uh, the King Power and put up a pretty good performance, but lost 3-0 to Leicester in the League Cup. And then we've lost, obviously, yesterday 2-1 at home to Stockport, which we will come on to and dissect in a bit more detail. But in terms of those cup games, what are reflections on that? Esme, do you want to have a first crack at that? What, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I thought for the FA Cup, it's brilliant to have a good start to that because we're notorious for our cup runs. So I think very positive start for that one. The draw that we've got, that's really good. I think for Torquay, I think that would be really good for them, but I think it would be even better if we had Derby. I think that would be a massive game for us. With Leicester, I think that was a lot better than it could have been. I think if it was on home turf, it could have been a lot of a different story but yeah I think I'm happy with both of those yeah similar I thought I thought we'd uh, win in the first round of the FA Cup and it's good to be in the hat for the next round you know um whether we have Derby or Torquay we're only one win away from potentially getting one of the big boys in uh, in the third round in January then 
the Leicester game, I thought we did really well for the first half to to kind of keep them out. We were we were unfortunate to concede just before half time. It was a pretty spirited performance, but I think eventually the quality just just told in the end. Um, but you know, it's we we were never going to win the the energy drink cup, were we? So why not? You know, go out to a Premier League team. It's been a little bit of a payday for us. Uh, you know, another ground that people could tick off their lists and uh, we can switch our focus now to the competitions we're left in. Absolutely, absolutely. It was such a shame, wasn't it, on the, the Leicester game that we almost held them to the first, to the, you know, the first half conceding in the 40, was it 44th minute, I think, the, the first goal went in. And, and talking of cups, we should not forget, of course, that we've got a fantastic draw in the Spotify Trophy where thousands of us, I'm sure, will be travelling across to Milton Keynes to see us um, on, what was it, week, next week or week after? I'm sure you'll all be joining me there, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> Dust going, wisping past us now as we, we, we move on from that one. But I'm going to try and make that. Yeah, so ignoring the tumbleweeds, and now let's go on to more important things, which is the Stockport game. All three of you, I believe, were at that yesterday, and I was watching in from afar. Quite interestingly, when you looked at the sort of Twitter and stuff like that, there was a real mix of views. You know, some people thought it was quite even. Some people thought Stockport were all over us. Some of us thought we were okay. Some thought we were okay at the back. Some people were a shambles. So there was a real mix of views when you were looking at the, um, you know, the reactions. Both as I was sort of tweeting from the 1912 Exiles account on the on the day and afterwards. You know, it was a real mix of stuff. So. Ed, unpick it for us. What was your, what were you thinking about it? I mean, I know this isn't great for for listeners, but I, I don't really know. I still can't work out what I thought about that game. I came away thinking I knew what I thought, and then I kind of slept on it, and then I read a bit more of what other people were saying on Twitter and on the message board. I still, I still can't work it out. It was a, it was a strange match, and like you say, lots of people going in slightly different directions with their reflections on it. Um, you know, right down to individual players. You know, some people saying that Bogle was was a, a a menace and did well to set up our goal. Others saying that he looked disinterested, didn't have a good game. You know, Priestley again um, was one who some people said he looked like a liability. Personally, I thought he he had a, another relatively assured game and looks to be improving. But uh, I mean, it, it really was one of those games where you you pay your money, you take your choice a little bit. Um, if if I had to try and give some sort of analysis, which I guess is sort of the point of doing a podcast, um, then I think probably it looked like two very average mid-table sides having a right or go at each other, but with plenty of mistakes in both teams. I thought Stockport at the start of the season would be one of the sides challenging towards the top. And certainly their fans still think that they can make a good run into the playoffs. I'm less convinced by that. I thought they had a, a good striker, but apart from that, they they didn't look a massively better team than Newport did. You know, I thought our goal was quite well worked. I thought Bogle um, did really well to get in that position, persevere and get the cross in. But I felt like after the break, we just weren't ready for the the obvious onslaught that was going to come from Stockport. And then you know, Day got caught out of position. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. All right, the, the second goal was a, a decent finish, although I thought maybe Farquhar Harson might have kept it out. Um, but uh, the real problem I saw yesterday that needs addressing is some of the negativity in our play. So the way Coughlin sets up is that we cede possession to the opposition. 
And then we, but we hit them on the counter really hard when we get the ball. Now that's fine, but it only works if when you've got the ball, you do create multiple chances on those counter attacks, which I don't think we did. And it also means that if you're allowing the the opposition to have possession, you've got to stop them using that possession to good effect. And again, there were too many times on Saturday when we let opposition midfielders run at us right through the middle. So I think there is something about the system, and I think Martin was perhaps talking about this on, on Twitter, that we have got to reflect a little bit on how much we are getting overrun in, in midfield because um, that is going to cost us. And I, I, I understand why Coughlin has stuck with the 5-3-2 that he inherited because, you know, he wanted to didn't want to change too much too soon. But I think as we come towards January, thinking about how we might um, have a little bit more, not necessarily steel in midfield, but a, a bit more nous um, to try and make sure that we, we aren't giving so much freedom to opposition midfielders I think that's got to be a priority I'd agree with some of that I actually my personal view is I think Stockport actually are a decent side and I think they probably will be up there towards the end I think they were my my personal view I think they were they were they were a much better side than us they looked more incisive they played more football Um, you know they didn't actually create a huge amount of chances but I thought they were the better side and you know, I think they deserve to win from from where I was. Esme, you slept your way up from Plymouth to to go for that joyous occasion. What was you can put? You can feel free to completely disagree with Ed. What did you think? I do think that I have quite contrasting opinions to Ed, to be honest, because I thought that Bogle seemed to just be in his own world. To be fair, I think he did really well to set the goal up, but other than that, he was making just some terrible mistakes. Like it didn't look like he his head was in the game at all I think our midfield was all over the place so that was really easy for Stockport to get through I think they looked like a really decent side and by the end of the game they completely deserved to win because in the second half I think we didn't look like we were gelling as much in the first half and I'd come up quite optimistic because under Cochrane we haven't been too bad so I was quite excited to see how he was going to put players in different positions and how he was going to work it. But I just think that the performance wasn't very good. I think especially with that incident with the ref where the Stockport player picked up the ball, thought he'd heard, the, heard a whistle. I didn't hear a whistle, so wasn't quite sure what that was about. But yeah, I think Aaron Lewis was definitely my man of the match for yesterday. I thought Priestley had a really good game. He is definitely an incredible player, but does have some does have some niggles sometimes, so needs to work on that. I thought players, I think Drysdale didn't look too good. He looked a bit out of it. I think Will Evans was brilliant. He had some incredible runs, which could have led to some really good goals, but unfortunately didn't. And... Um, I think James Wade, he looked a bit off. I think when I've seen him play before, he's been brilliant. But yesterday, just looked like he was having a bit of an off day from my point of view. I think goals-wise, ours was really good. Really, I was really excited about that one. Their goals, the second one especially, that was devastating. I really thought that that one could have been kept out. But yeah, the first one, honestly... 
think Joe Day will want to be forgetting that one. I think. I, I think. I think we'll come on to talk about Joe Day, won't we? Maybe yeah. through this podcast. Reese, what was your take of it? I, I think you might have a different view of uh, Priestley and um, Declan at the back, certainly. Yeah. Again, another contrasting view. Um, I think if you play both Priestley and Drysdale or Farksdale, as I've taken to calling them, you start with a <laughs> one-nil disadvantage because the pair of them have got so many mistakes in them that they'll cost you a goal a game between them. Um, And Priestley does some good things and he does some really bad things. He can't do three good things in a row, Um, which I think, and it probably comes down to experience, but I, I think Clark is a limited player, but within his limits, he's a good League Two player. And probably because of his experience, you don't get those those mistakes out of him. Um, I agree with Esme on Aaron Lewis. I thought he's really taken his chance to come into the side. Um, the goal, Bogle basically created something from nothing there. The ball just kind of bobbled to him and he's beaten about four players and squared it. Um, so that was good. But then, like Esme said, at other points in the game, he wasn't really in it. And I think a lot of it, though, is he was being climbed all over. But then he never appeals for it. It just... He just kind of shrugs his shoulders um, and, you know, other strikers kind of win those free kicks. If you if you make a meal of it, you're, you're Kevin Ellison's um, of the world. You know, there's certain strikers who win those free kicks because they appeal for it. And he never really seems to. He gets, he gets manhandled by defenders. Um, I thought weight was good good when he got the ball but so many because we were so direct and they were fairly direct as well um if you compare Fraser Horsfall's headers for theirs where he got distance on his clearances every time Drysdale's and Farquharson's were dropping on top of weight and he had someone coming over the top of him and winning it he's got no chance of winning those when he had the ball at his feet he was decent but um I don't know that was as bad as anything I saw under Robry. I thought it was dreadful. It's, if you want to go direct and go straight from the keeper forwards, at least get the goalkeeper to keep the ball on the fucking pitch. Um, you know, if he's going to kick it into touch, you may as well not bother. You could play it to a centre half, and if Day's not capable of kicking it thirty yards and keeping it on the pitch, give it to someone else. Yeah, but but equally, would you trust Day to play a, a short six-yard pass without no, messing it up? Yeah, well, I know. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I think Day's distribution is a, a, a massive, massive problem. And, and we may come on to it later. But just on the on the thing about Bogle, I have a theory, right, which is Bogle and Evans are polar opposites because Evans runs around an awful lot but lacks composure under pressure Bogle doesn't cover much ground at all, but when it counts, he can produce a bit of class like he did for the uh, to set up the goal. Now, of course, you're going to have players at this level are going to be limited. And I think both of those limitations that each of them have got are ones that you kind of just have to live with. But I think it's interesting that as fans, we go, Will Evans is great, covers every blade of grass, blah, blah, blah. Bogle, we sort of say, oh, it looks disinterested. You know, lots of people likening him to Frank Nublé on the basis of his performance yesterday. And uh, you think, well... When it mattered, when he was, like you say, had four defenders to beat and sticks across in, I'm not sure Evans does that. So I think 
they one of the reasons they work quite well as a partnership is that each of them each of their strengths is the other one's weakness. I sort of think they are still the, the only real partnership option we've got up front um, because Nevers Nevers is close, but perhaps not quite there. Zimba, I, I, I don't think we're going to see getting any serious minutes. Lewis Collins hasn't made an impression and Zanzala's still injured. So I think you just have to kind of accept that, that Evans and Bogle, despite their limitations, they're the best partnership we've got and they do complement each other. So we we probably just have to kind of live with it a bit. I've got a view on Bogle, but I think Reese is looking to Reese is looking to come in here. Reese, what, what have you got to say about that? So it was just when Ed was talking about the midfield balance before, and I think he's right, but I haven't got a solution. So the player who was running through in midfield was running off weight, but it was because he couldn't win a win the ball. He just he's too small. But we've got two holding midfielders there in Bennett and Mariah Welsh. And this is happening in front of them. So they should be able to see that happening in front of them and communicate or take responsibility for the man running on. We've got three centre-halves, so you may be able to let a striker or pass a striker on to the centre-halves. One of those two, that is what Bennett and um, Mariah Welsh are there for. And I don't think Bennett had his best game yesterday because he was not quite at the second balls like he usually is. If Because Coughlin said in his post-match that they looked a bit leggy. And I wonder if this is under rotation. As I said last time I was on, that we need to rotate the side. If you play the same 13 players as he's been rotating through, basically, Saturday midweek, Saturday midweek for three weeks now, those players are going to get tired. We've got, a, got quite a big squad, whether you have faith in it, it's a different question, but you know you may need to use it. And Mariah Welsh looks yeah. knackered. I thought he was—he's yeah. been quiet the last few games, and and I, I think that that may partly be a confidence thing. I don't know, but I think he just looked—he looked dead on his feet yesterday, second half. But I think the other problem with the midfield, and this links to the Bogle thing. I'm I'm really happy that we got Bogle in the side. I think we've got a question later about how many goals we, he might score for us. But I mean, you know, he's got seven in the league and nine overall. He does provide one of the rare moments of quality that we had in that game. And in most of the games we have, he can create stuff and he can score goals. And, you know, I don't think we should be... We, we do this all the time as fans, don't we? We, fo- and we You know, Matty Dolan's a great... Well, focus on the fact that Matty Dolan can't run, but we'll, not on what he can do. So it's the same with Bogle. We'll f- we focus on what he can do, not on what he can do. And I think that, you know... If we can get Sanzala fit, that will make a difference. But I think one of the things he needs, and the ball goes up to him, the midfield, which we're all, I think, agreeing we've got some issues there, they don't get up quick enough to support him either. So he's often just on his own to, to, an, to a certain extent. When if you watch who's around him or what, what you know, who's coming to like get the ball off him, no one really. So there is an issue there in terms of in terms of what we need to do to get around him. I think as well. Um, so, Stockport wasn't great from all our, our, our views of that. But Esme picked up on a really interesting thing in that game, which was the handball that wasn't. So, <laughs> I, I was watching it on the telly going like, what, what's going on here? What's, what's happening? So, what was it like in the ground? Was there a whistle? Wasn't there a whistle? What should have happened? Who wants to take that? Because I, I was baffled by the whole affair, to be honest with you. I did not hear a whistle, honestly. I just saw handball and I thought, that's ridiculous. And then the fact that the ref had absolutely 
no idea what to do. And he was going over asking for like help and then came to the conclusion of a free kick to Stockport. I just thought it was ridiculous. To be fair, I thought the ref the whole way through was giving Stockport the most chances. He, he was a very theatrical ref. I don't know whether it was just yeah. being picked up on that, but he was doing all of the like hand I gestures and you know, looked like he should be yeah. on the West End stage. He was <laughs> he was loving it. Um I mean, yeah, I was sat near you from the sound of it. I definitely didn't didn't hear a whistle. That's not to say mm. there, might, there there may have been one. Who knows? Um, and if his officials said they thought they heard something, then if they heard something, they heard something. What bugged me, I, I wasn't sure whether he gave Stockport a free kick or whether he gave a drop ball, but asked for it to be kicked back to our goalie. But either way, that should have been a contested drop ball. If if you decided, yeah. well, we're not going to penalise it with a free kick because it was a genuine error, then well, uh, okay. But it, given we had possession on the edge of their yeah. area. Like that's yeah. gotta be a contested drop ball, surely. Um it was a it was an odd incident. But yeah, the the referee, but broadly I thought apart from that, he had a quite a good game. But yeah, if he was chocolate, he'd eat himself. He he was he was loving life <laughs> yesterday. Reese in the Bisley, what was you thinking? Yeah, so I didn't hear a whistle, but I watched the I watched it watched the clip of it back. And I Stockport were appealing for a free kick. And we were running through on goal. So why would one of our fans blow a whistle? Why would we want to stop play when we're attacking? So that doesn't really make sense. What I think happened is the player assumed the free kick had been given, picked the ball up, not realising the game was still carrying on. Um, and like you say, just chaos. No one knew what was going on. Um, I think it, it's a deliberate handball. And he's picked it up on the edge of the box. It's a direct free kick and a yellow card. But I think we should start a new conspiracy, whole new conspiracy theory there about that. So I like that. It's good. I like well, that theory. Why, why um, would why would we want to stop play when we were attacking? As as a fan, a Newport fan, why would we blow a whistle? Well, you're assuming that every Newport fan is completely sensible, and you know. But yeah, I I, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. It was a very watching it like on a screen. It was really bizarre because obviously you know, you I, there's no way I could hear anything. But you just saw the bloke bend down and get the ball up. It was like, what's going on? You know, it was very, very, very odd. Um, but it did have a bit of an effect on the game for me because we were sort of starting to lose ourselves, I think, a little bit before that. But I think once that decision, once that incident happened, we did seem to lose our heads a bit. You know, people were flying into challenges. It was booking. We seemed to, you know, and then we, we created even more space for Stockport, I think. So... It definitely had an effect on the game in a, in both in terms of preventing us from attacking, but also it, for for reasons I can't quite get my head around, other than being peeved about the decision. We did we did see to we did see um, we did seem to lose ourselves after that. I don't know what you thought while you were there. I think it was like the middle part of the second half was when it really started to fall apart, and then that was just like I think we were so frustrated and just couldn't get over it. It was like holding on to what had just happened but yeah I just think it was the worst time for it to have happened so again from from there you know we're 2-1 down we've got to try and change the game we look to the bench what have we got on the bench Reese? Well, what could we have done what did we do and what's your thoughts on that I think me and Ed are going to have a different view on this but you kick <laughs> us off Reese, where we are on the bench situation well it was a bit it was a bit disordered by the end, wasn't it? I was just trying to look at who we brought on, but Robbie Wilmot was playing up front, which he's played everywhere else, so why not? We just seemed to, we, yeah, 
I don't really know where Lewis Collins was playing, but he was on there as well. We just, I know we're chasing the game and we've put all of our attackers on, but in no real shape. It was Nevers came on right at the end as well, didn't he? Did Nevers come on with a minute to go or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nevers came on. It was just like playground stuff. Just bung all your strikers on and let them work it out. It was, yeah, it was the if I if I throw enough rover parts at the wall, I'll make a Ferrari school of uh, (laughs) school of thinking, wasn't it? When when it was announced that there was three minutes of added time, I asked for less. (laughs) (laughs) The one, the the substitution that had me change the game. Yeah, the change. Well, yeah, I mean, it was the one that had me scratching my head, and and this is the one that you and I are going to disagree on, I think, Ian. Um, at one one, he brings on Dolan for Mariah Welsh. Now, Mariah Welsh, as I said earlier, I thought was was tired, so I can see the logic in making a change for him. But to me, you know, you bring on Dolan when you're trying to close down a game when you're winning. At one one, grant yeah, granted they were in the ascendancy, but you won one at home with 25 minutes or so to play. I think that's a really negative substitution. Dolan didn't have the, the the pace to sort of stop them attacking. But what it did do is mean that we didn't have anyone who would uh, kind of run at them with the ball. And I think you said on the WhatsApp group, Reese, you know, Dolan just came on, did a bit of pointing, um, but, but largely just kind of stood around. And for me... The, the change to have made at that point would have been someone to have given us a bit of fresh attacking creative impetus in, in midfield so that we could try and take the game by the scruff of the neck again. And I thought that was a really negative substitution to make. It was like we were going, oh, let's just try and hold on for the draw. And you think, well, there's 25 minutes to go. We're at home. Uh, and and at, at that point, I thought we, we could still have made a real good game of it. But instead, it, it just felt like we were, yeah, taking a bit of a step back. But you took a different view, I think, Ian. I think I took a different view, partly because your initial comment after the game was Dolan's cost us that match. And I was like, hang on a minute. Have you not been watching Joe Day in the, in the defence? <laughs> you know I mean? I'm going to plead I didn't say blame. that. If I said that in anger, I take it back. You can't blame Dolan for that defeat. You can blame him for many things, but you can't blame him for that defeat. And I think what, I think what Cochrane was trying to do in the slight sort of as we were, you know, we were starting to lose our way a bit in that in that second half, as we've all discussed. I think he was looking to make a shift, and I think he was looking to try and shift us to a back four, and then to solidify the midfield by putting Dolan Bennett there, then sling on all the attackers so that we could go for it. But in that process, we had the crazy drop wall incident. We went down to two one, and all that sort of stuff went on, and, and we lost our heads. I also think he brought Dolan partly to try and cool things down a little bit because people were losing not just their heads they were losing shape there was which is one of the reasons why he, i think he was pointing a lot reese because he went on there to say <laughs> nobody is in the right place on the pitch you I know come he on didn't people. follow the player who's supposed to be marking <laughs> <laughs> you, run, you run after him i'm staying here <laughs> but i and i i will come on to this a little bit more just towards the end but there was there was only two moments of quality in that game that we produced one was bogle for the goal and the other one was a magic ball by dolan out to norman to set up the equalizer that norman then from six yards didn't even hit the didn't even hit the force anyone to make a save he blazed it wide yeah. and that you know norman should have taken that dolan would have set that dolan would have set that out with a with a you know, a Hoddle-esque pass 
we'd have got two two out of it. <laughs> I, I, I feel point of order. I do need to refer the honourable member for Leeds to to the record. So what I what I specifically said about the Dolan substitution was that the the decision to bring Dolan on is what cost us. So it's, it wasn't Dolan himself, but it was the the decision to bring Dolan on rather than a you know make a different tactical switch. And I think you're right. It was as much to try and restore our shape as anything but it uh, for me it, it backfired didn't work and w- that was the point where we, we were on the back foot um there were I've, I've also got to correct you because I think there was one other sublime bit of skill <laughs> which is when someone played a, a, a link a, a sprayed a crossfield pass to uh Evans I think it was who con- controlled a, a ball coming at him quickly from height with a deft touch Killed it stone mm. dead, and then took the defender on. And there was, yeah, that was that was something that I thought was uh, was quite nice. But when you're going, oh, someone controlled a ball well. That was that was a highlight of the game. It really does underline what a what a poor show we had yesterday. Esri, have you have you got a have you got a view on Dolan? Not just generally. Well, you can say generally if you want. Have you because it does it does split opinion on this pod. Um, what what's your view about yesterday? Did he did he cost us the game, or was he just wandering about, or what was what was your view? I think he was wondering about quite a bit, to be honest. I think it was, I could see with Mariah Welsh being tired, like I see why he was brought on, but I think they should have brought someone else on realistically. I think he didn't really add much, anything spectacular, to be fair. I think. Right, we're never inviting Esme back on this podcast ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just wasn't his game. I think he does obviously have his moments where he's outstanding, but I think there was no saving yesterday, really. <laughs> Dolan's moment of magic was because he had stood still and everyone else had run away from him and he was in 15 yards of 20 yards of Tat- space to be able tactical to play that pass. He was immobile yesterday. And when the problem was that people were running beyond our midfield, bringing someone who's reluctant to run on is probably not the answer. But if you look at our yeah. bench, I don't know if there was someone you would want to bring on to do that. See, I think I think <laughs> Wilmot is probably the one looking at that list of substitutes. He's the one who I'd have been tempted to go, right, bring on someone who, who can, you know, have a dribble at, at, at players and, you know, maybe try and cause some problems. But I, I mean, I, I think you're right um, that the options weren't great. And, you know, it feels like there's a bit of a Sam Bowen shaped hole there, you know, for, for someone to, to take it by the scruff of the neck in the whatever the, the cup games and try and, and stake their claim. But um, the fact that, yeah, Bowen can't make it even into the, the match day squad doesn't suggest he's got a bright future either him and him and no. yeah I mean I think Lindley will will probably leave at the end of uh, leave it in January I think Zimba will probably go in January um and yeah you wonder whether there's a future for for the likes of Bowen either so I think we've done stop what haven't we we're at the conclusion is it wasn't great let's have a we've had a few um comments in so what did we get on Twitter so Rich was saying he said I thought we were poor today especially in the middle of the pitch um, chasing shadows as their midfield went through us like a hot knife through butter. Um, Mark said, Madden aside, not much between um, the two teams. He said, Stockport were organised and disciplined. We got at them down their right side and they got they got down our right side. Therefore, match was in the balance, really, but need to step up against the Gills. Um, Hamid, we, were not at the, we had to be at the races and we weren't. The best team won. Um, 
so I think the views really were from the Twitter. The Twitterati was Stockport were the were the better side from our fans, which probably is where we are as well. Um, so got a few questions in. Thinking about you were touching there, Ed, on who we're going to get rid of, maybe who we who where do we need to strengthen? Someone said to me, where do we need to strengthen? And I said everywhere. But so bearing in mind that we probably can't do that, where do you think our priorities should be? Quick answer: biggest priority centre mid because I think we need someone not Joss Labadee but someone like Joss Labadee someone who can win the ball play a simple six yard pass and stop a runner coming through the middle so I think that's the priority because I think that's the biggest gap we've got secondly either this window or the next window well definitely the next window we're going to need to find a a centre half with a bit of pace I, I think at the moment the centre-back partnership of Dimitriou, uh, Farquharson and Clark isn't too bad. But I think as soon as one of those is injured, we're in trouble. So I think probably we need someone who can who can cover there. And then I think if if we do, say, Chiriota, Zimba and Lindley and, and perhaps free up a loan space, I think we probably need a, a another striking option um, to add to what we've um, got. But but the, the midfield is the most important one for me. Strengthen the spine, says Ed. Esme, agree or disagree? What's yeah. your priority? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think we really need to strengthen centre mid, I think, especially after yesterday where we are just letting balls through left, right and centre. I think if we start with the middle, we can work our way out. I do agree with strikers. I think we could do with another striker, really, because if you think this time last season, we had like Don Telford and... Courtney Baker Richardson and that was brilliant wasn't it and so I think if you're comparing this season to last season then we could definitely do with a striker that can get the goals like Don Telford did. Reese, what are you thinking? You can play Clark and Dimitri with one of Drysdale and Priestley I don't know if you could play I don't think you can play both I think they're just um, too inexperienced maybe. Midfield again I think you know we didn't have a a ball winner to bring on so if Mariah Welsh needs a rest, then, you know, we need someone in that role. And what we have got is a group of very good wing-backs. I think between Norman and the Lewises, we've got three good options there, and I can't complain about either of those ones starting. I think also it's time for Townsend to, t- to have a chance, given Day's performance I was, yesterday. I, I, I was going to come on to that, talking to the spine of the side. For me, when I was down for the Rochdale game, Dave was at fault for the goal for that. We just didn't, he messed up across completely. Yesterday's, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, you know, with, with that cross that he just, we've got two massive lumps in the middle and him, and the ball floats over all of them to just nestle in the corner. It wasn't even from a dangerous place. It was a shockingly bad bit of judgment. So he has made some very significant errors, I think, that have cost us matches. Um, so in terms of that spine, what are we doing with that? Townsend back in. New keeper in the in the window. I, I think Townsend is 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 good enough. You know he makes mistakes occasionally, but any keeper you get at this level will, will make mistakes. I, I did see someone unkindly uh, refer to Joe Daydream uh, yesterday, which <laughs> I thought was uh, was about right. I mean, yeah, he's he hasn't looked great this season when he's been inside. So I think you you know you give it to Townsend and hope for the best a little bit. I, I mean, I think we've got two keepers who are presumably on a good wedge. I can't see anyone coming in and paying money for either of them. So I think you say, fine, well, Townsend's got the shirt. And if he makes a mistake, then then 
Joe Day gets another chance. But I, I can't see that being the best use of budget to have three potentially, you know, first choice keepers on the books. I, I think that the money you spend on that probably means you then can't strengthen elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And talking of goals, we had a question in from um, one of my one of my lot in the Rosehead to say, how many goals will Bogle get this season? Or more appropriately, will he get to twenty? He's on he's on seven in the league, nine all nine nine all told. Twenty goals? What do you reckon? Oh, I'm not sure about that one. I think he had quite a few at the start of the season in quite a short space of time, didn't he? And it doesn't really seem he seems to be creating chances for goals, but not having goals himself. I think fifteen tops personally. I'm going to say yes. Under the 20. You're saying he's going to get 20. Yeah, I think he will. I think his his form is a bit lumpy. So he'll, you know, he'll get a load and then he'll go a bit quiet for a bit. But like I uh, said earlier, I can't see anyone else being picked ahead of him at the moment because I don't think we've got those sorts of options. So I think just through dint of playing and occasionally having bursts of form, I think he'll get to 20. I I think around the 15 mark is probably where he's going to end up. Well, it'd be quite remarkable if he does, because that would give us two strikers in two seasons, getting over 20 goals, wouldn't it? Which, that hasn't happened for a while, has it? So, that would be quite good. I don't think he'll get there either, but I think I don't think he'll be far away. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with, with Esme and Reese really. So I think don't think he'll get 20, but he'll He'll, he'll keep banging him in at a sort of semi-regular basis, I think. I think I think whether we can get Zanzala back is is a real key for that. But if we can't get Zanzala back, can we get someone else in the window who can, you know, add that extra thrust that I need to, I think he needs someone around him to, to do that. So, you know, I think Zanzala is the key. So, Gillingham we've got next, I believe, and that is suddenly looking quite an important game for when we look at the league table. We've had the uh, Gills in the Blood pod have been on and um, they've sent us a little bit of a snapshot of what they think's going to happen and where they are so far. So they were saying that the Gill season has so far been underwhelming to say the least. They've come down from League One. They certainly didn't expect to waltz the league title, um, but they also didn't envisage being third bottom with over a third campaign having passed. Totally get that with the big turner of players that things can take time to gel but as I said, that's the same for every club and it simply doesn't wash anymore as far as their fans are concerned. The paltry return of just six league goals in 17 matches today is horrific, regardless of who came and went in the summer. So who's to blame for that is their view. Who, who, who do they look for? That's the burning question. They've got a chairman who's disappeared and left the running of the club to somebody else who, to be fair, has improved things off the pitch, but isn't a miracle worker. They've got a manager who should be doing better. The level based on his on his previous work higher up the higher up the league. They've got a group of players who clearly work hard, but constantly shoot themselves in the foot at both ends of the pitch, which sounds staggeringly familiar to to us in many in many respects. So bearing in mind that this has got nil nil or four four written all over it, hasn't it? What what's our what's our predictions? I hope it's a win. I haven't seen a win at Rodney Parade for <laughs> feels like years. <laughs> so I'm going. I'm going next week, and I really hope we see, hope we see a win. Maybe just no more individual errors. I'd <laughs> settle that for that probably. It is a really important game. I think um, mm. they're currently on 13 points, and we're on 16, and they're 22nd. A win in that fixture, especially at home, given our current fortunes, is um, is going to be a bit of a statement. Hopefully. Esme, you, what are you thinking? And are you actually going to give us a score prediction, which I see Reese has managed to fail to do in that? 
I don't know. I feel like it could be a scrappy one nil win, to be fair. Because if you look at their like last couple of matches, they haven't won a single one since well, looks like the fourth of October in the EFL Trophy. So it looks promising for us, but after yesterday, we have a lot to work on in the week in order to get to that. So yeah, yeah I think a scrappy one nil. Scrappy one nil. But on the plus side, we have got the whole week to prepare. We haven't got a midweek yeah. game. You know, Coughlin gets a bit of time to work with his players and probably to let a few of the key ones have a bit of a rest. So I think we'll be all right. I think we'll win 2-0. I think Gillingham are not a good team. It sounds as though they are probably the closest thing to being the basket case club of the division um, with all the problems they've got. So I think Gcock will uh, will will really go for it, put all his eggs in into... Uh, this basket, get three points and relax everyone. So I I reckon a comfortable 2-0. I also, I think we'll win this. I think people are getting a little bit doom and gloom about the Stockport result. As I said at the start, I think Stockport are a decent side. I think they will go on to do well this season. I think that we are got to focus on the teams that are mid-table and below and pick up those points. And then if we pick up anything better against, you know, your Northamptons and your Mansfields will be done, then, you know, happy days. So, this is a big game. You know, we're at home. Obviously, we're brilliant at home, aren't we? But, you know, we we need to win this game. And I think we will. I think we'll come out fired up. And I think we will win it. I'm going to say 3-0. There you go. Wow. That's how positive I'm feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Coming on from that, we've missed a question from our fellow um, Poser about what's happening down at the bottom. And he said, are we frightened of relegation? No, yeah. I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be, I, I said 14th at the start of the season. I still think broadly there, maybe maybe 15th or 16th, but I, I, I don't think we'll get sucked into it. I think between now and Christmas, we'll pick up enough points to get us comfortably away from the, the mix. I think we'll be fine. I think we're good enough to, to steer well clear of it. And I've said as much before, but we're certainly flirting with it, aren't we? At the moment, I think we're good enough not to. And the longer that we stay in and around that, you know, we're just above that scrap at the moment, but the longer you're closer to it, the more nervous everyone starts to get. I think if we can just put a bit of distance between us and it, I think the players will probably have a bit more freedom mentally, maybe not worrying about, Oh God, if we lose this one, what's next? I'll tell you one thing. I think this is, this is the transfer window where Darren Kelly earns his corn because it's, Mm -hmm. it's blindingly obvious what we, what we need, what we lack. Um, so he's got to go out and find those, you know, two, maybe three players who can give us that that boost that we need and, you know, perhaps get rid of a few of the the ones who are kind of dead wood in the squad that we've got at the moment. So this is, you know, an important window for him. If if between now and Christmas, Coughlin can get us a few more points and pull us a bit out of it and then we sign well, then I don't think there's any reason why we can't finish the season fairly strongly. But, you know, over the next six to eight weeks, they've both got to, um, yeah, really earn their stripes a bit. Agree with all of that. I think we'll win next week, yeah, as I said, and, and I don't think we'll go, I don't think we'll be relegated, but I think there's worse teams than us. But as Reese said, we need to start, we need to get some points, we need to win some of these games and get some points on the board. So, player of the pod, I don't think we've got too much of a shortlist here, have we? And so, you know, no one was really banging on the door to say, pick me, pick me. In the interest of brevity, does anyone not think it should be Aaron Lewis? Dolan. <laughs> I, 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 always. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'd happily... I, I think that um, 
Lewis just shaded Dolan this time round, to be fair. So, yeah, I, I, I would go this as well. So that one's sorted. We move on. Shout-outs or beefs? Anyone got any shout-outs? I'll do two quick ones. Um, Shout-out to all-round good eggs and friends of the pod, uh, Tinty and the Bucket Hats, for their uh, World Cup song, which we'll put a link to in the show notes. Nice to see County being represented on the international stage, so well done them. Um, and on a similar theme, um, shout-out to Ollie Cooper for his late call-up to the Wales squad, which... Um, I think we predicted, didn't we, on this pod last season? We said he'd be playing for Wales before too long. And yeah, I, I think that's that's great news. So well done him. I was going to give a shout out to Dolan's pass, but we've already <laughs> cut that. So I'm not going to repeat that. So, you know, we know where we are. Beefs. I'm going to go first for this one. I'm going to give it my beef is to the Phantom Whistleblower. I don't know whether there was one or not, but if there was a deep water fan in that ground who did blow a whistle that caused that incident, you need to give your head a wobble, mate, would be my view. That that was shocking. We'll never know, will we? It's the mystery that will never be solved. Right. Who else has got beef? Reese has got one. Reese is straight in. Reese. Yeah, I've been bigging up the uh, the ground staff in the last couple of pods. But yesterday, the poor Coent under nines or whatever they were, out there waving flags for the players to come out, belted by sprinklers. And they didn't turn them <laughs> off. They just let them go round and round and round, soaking the poor kids. Didn't even move the kids. Didn't turn the sprinklers <laughs> off. I think some of the kids were just loving it as well. You could tell who the North You know what were. that they is, just, though, Reese. They, they were just that, running round in it. But poor, that's character poor building. Character, yeah, poor, exactly. Character building. One of them, bless him, wasn't watching. And the sprinkler came round and just caught him square in the face. And he went flying. <laughs> so that's that's my beef. <laughs> Okay, right. That's been really good tonight. So we're all off to obviously some of us will be off to the for, to Gillingham. We're looking. Reese is really hoping for that win um, that he hasn't seen at home for a long time. I'm hopefully going to end up lost on a roundabout in Milton Keynes somewhere, trying to find the ground. Um, hopefully, and then we'll, we'll. I'm sure we'll all get back together and uh, and chew the fat over that. Um, so all really I've got to do is to. Thank everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. To thank my panel, Reese, Esme, and Ed, as always. Um, we'd love to hear feedback from you. Um, you can get in touch on you know anything that we do or anything you'd like us to see cover in the future. Get in touch at 1912XLs on Twitter or 1912XLs podcast on Facebook. And some of us are also on LinkedIn, so you can find us there as well. All that's left for me to do is say thank you very much. Stay safe. Keep it county. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.